0: This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. In the introduction to her newest book, In Bloom, Creating and Living with Flowers, the artist, photographer, flower lover, and thinker, Nock Min Noh, writes, quote, like a Robert Frost poem that begins in delight and ends in wisdom, flowers seduce us with their piercing beauty, but they also have much to teach us about the impermanent nature of life, End quote. The form and content of this sentence suggests a good deal about the book and the woman who conceived, researched, wrote, and photographed it. This lovely, hefty, photograph-rich book is not just a pretty face. It is part literary history, part art history, part impassioned elegy for the importance of nature nurtured in the day-to-day aspects of our lives, and at its most obvious, it is 12 parts portrait, written and photograph, of artists of various kinds around the world doing just this. It is a florilegium, if you will, reminding us that in our deeply human craving to connect with nature, the beauty of the botanical realm continues to be the perfect foil for the magic of the human imagination. Today, I'm joined by Ngoc Minh No to talk more about this newest book and the journey that led to its creation and the meaningful beauty to be found in it. Welcome, Ngoc. Thank you. You grew up in a small seaside town in Vietnam, and the dedication in your first book, which was entitled Bringing Nature Home, reads Dedicated to the memory of my father who taught me the meaning of home and shared my love of flowers. What were some of the early influences in your life, Nock, that brought you to this love of flowers and nature and gardens?
1: When I was growing up in Vietnam, flowers were a big part of our life. And one of my earliest memories is the celebration of Tet, which is the Lunar New Year, which is the biggest holiday of the year in Vietnam. One of the most beautiful things that we do for Tet, among many others, is we would bring in these huge, massive branches of flowering quince or peach blossoms. And these branches will have these tight buds on them, and then we put them all around the house. And then as the new year begins, we watch the blossoms just unfold. This ritual, it's not only beautiful, but it's meaningful. It has this symbol of hope. And, you know, this bloss- these blossoming flowers were bringing us hope for the new year. And and that's something that always stayed with me and there were other flowers that made a big impression on me. And one of the flowers whose blooming I anticipated the most every year is what we call in Vietnamese the phoenix tail flower. Its botanical name is Delonix regia. And it's also called the flame tree or the royal ponciana in English. These ponciana trees make great shade trees. So they're used in almost all the big avenues in most cities in Vietnam and they are spectacular when they're in bloom and you get this explosion of vivid red very flamboyant flowers that cover the trees from May to July which also happens to coincide with our summer vacation. I was always really happy to see the first blooms on the Ponciana trees because it meant that the school year was coming to an end. I just remember my greatest joy was to walk under an avenue of red blossoms as I left the school gate on the last day of school. <laughs> and when I was 10, I, I, there was a particularly flower that made a profound impression on me. It was the night blooming cereus, And as you know, this flower only blooms at night and by dawn is already wilting. And my great aunt had one of these planted in our garden. And when it bloomed, I was allowed to stay up late one night to watch it unfold, and it was a very, very special experience because the flower itself was incredibly beautiful. It's this white with these spidery petals. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before, and but just to be able to stay up late, just to catch a glimpse of this flower was, was a profound experience for me. I it was so magical and the sense of occasion and staying up late with all the adults. I felt like I was being given a glimpse of something much bigger and more mysterious than anything I'd ever known until then in my childish imagination. Yeah. So basically those, those experiences sort of informed me. And this really
0: illustrates something that I have heard you say before, which is that flowers mark the moments of our lives. That could seem, you know, sort of trite, but when we put our actual memories out there and we see the flowers that that embody them, it is anything but. What brought you to the United States ultimately? We were refugees at the end of the war. (laughs) And you went on to study landscape design at Columbia University in New York City. You're, You're sometimes called a lifestyle photographer. Give us a a little overview of how old you were when you came to the United States and what got you to that next level of
1: the work you've chosen. I was 12 when I came. I was very, very lucky and I was given a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different things and one of which was to work on a feature film. As a preparation for this, along with the director and the cinematographer, we looked at a lot of photography books mostly black and white and a lot of early black and white photography and I absolutely fell in love with it Mm -hmm. and thought oh um, I'd love to learn how to be a photographer and I got the still photographer on the set to teach me how to print and I set up a dark room in my bathroom I was living in New York City and I had a bathtub in my kitchen it had a lid that folded over, so during the day I could use it as like a kitchen counter, and when I need to take a bath, I just flip the lid over and use it as a bath. And so, on top of this bathtub, I set up my darkroom as I learned how to take pictures and print them. And and so, I became a photographer. I I ended up working a lot for magazines and shooting homes and interiors and some travel and this title of
0: lifestyle photographer. Leading up to the publication of your first book, Bringing Nature Home, that was published in 2012, there's clearly a whole life of of motivation and experiences that lead you to writing it, for those readers who might not have yet seen it, is it is a an exploration of you photographing beautiful, naturalistic floral designs and displays in really opulent interiors, and you partner with one single floral designer in the book. What was the motivation for that book, which is equally beautiful and evocative and about design? But it, it, again, is not just a coffee table book.
1: As a photographer, I, I've, like you said, I photographed a lot of homes and interiors. And one of the things that happens on these shoots is a lot of flowers would be brought in. So each time I photographed a room, there would be tons and tons of flowers. And But most of the time they were used as decoration, as a pop of color or just the same way that people would use other objects to decorate a room. And for me... I've always thought that flowers were so much more than that. And and it, it would sometimes frustrate me that people didn't see the, all the layers of meaning in flowers. I wanted to bring out those many layers of meanings of flowers. I wanted to reconnect flowers to nature, to the seasons, and all the reasons that make them so endlessly fascinating for me. I wanted to look at the complex history behind the simple act of bringing flowers into one's
0: home. How did you choose to partner with Nicolette Owen of Brooklyn's Little Flower Shop in that project?
1: I came across Nicolette's work. It embodied what I felt was the way I looked at flowers. I, I felt like she looked at them the same way and that she saw them as flowers, as these beautiful living things and um, not just mere objects.
0: Mm. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Today, we're speaking with Nok Min Noh, author and photographer most recently of In Bloom, Creating and Living with Flowers, published by Rizzoli Press. In her text and photographs, Nock explores how a room is never at its best without flowers, and life is perhaps never at its best without being interwoven with nature, and how that interweaving can take myriad expressions. We'll be back after a break to hear more. Stay with us. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. This week, we're speaking with Nok Min No, author and photographer most recently of In Bloom, Creating and Living with Flowers. We're just back after a break. Welcome. In the introduction of your newest book, In Bloom, you trace the cultural history of really an adoration and a reverence for, as well as the study of flowers through time. As you approach the incredible diversity of subjects you chose to highlight in this book, these include artists, landscape designers, ceramicists, wallpaper designers. The the book is is a large format book, it has just a beautiful photograph on the front there is this very rich and informative introduction written by you and then there follow 11 portraits so in my introduction I said there are 12 portraits because throughout this book there is the narrative of a portrait of you knock the writer that is included these 11 artists are each given one page of text in which you knock, describe their history, their motivation, their creative work, and then This page of text is accompanied by anywhere from 10 to 20 full-page photographs of aspects of their work. One of these photographs includes a portrait of them, the artist. It is simple and it is uncluttered in that there aren't a lot of collages. There are no captions. The text for each profile seems to stand on its own so that then as you look through the pictures, if you have read the text... There is a very clear narrative of the way their work unfolds, the way their process is handled. How did you choose these artists and what was your inner compass that helped to choose them?
1: So um, when I started thinking about the second book, I wanted to continue that exploration of the human-plant relationship and examine specifically the place that flowers take up in our cultural history. Flowers have inspired some of the greatest art in history, but they've also been woven into the fabric of our everyday life. So I wanted to include artists that would take you through all these different places. There are so many artists out there who work with flowers and do amazing things. Of course, I can't include everybody and I wanted to give each person enough room to have their work well represented. I wanted to have that wide range of work that would reflect the rich history of flower-inspired art, but at the same time, I chose people whose work I love and to which I feel a personal connection. I read a review which discourage
0: people from reading the text and to just enjoy the pictures. And I will state for the record that that is a great disservice to both the book and to any reader. If a reader comes to it and they are at all challenged by the depth of research and the richness of history included, I say get a cup of tea and take your time and read this book and look up the people whose names you don't know and follow this history. It will expand you as a as a reader and a thinker and a lover of flowers and landscapes. In reading every single one of these profiles, it is clear you, Nock, are very well read to start with, but also did a great deal of research. Talk about that process for me.
1: Yes, I, I, I did do a lot of research. It didn't feel like research because it is the things that I read most yeah. of the time. I, I just have this obsession with flowers and, and like I said, I, I find it extremely fascinating that flowers have sparked the imagination of so many people throughout history and it continues to do so.
0: You quote a good many poets, both modern and ancient. You quote ancient scriptural and spiritual text. You cite references to ancient history in China, in Japan, in Rome and Greece, and then the sort of history of the way people interact and have relationships with flowers in a whole variety of cultures and across this great span of time.
1: When you are interested in something, you kind of see it everywhere. Yeah, it kind of pops up everywhere.
0: What were your greatest joys or surprises in the process of finding and choosing and visiting and interviewing these
1: artists? So, the the process of doing this book was just an immense joy for me. It was. I started with Claire Bassler, who is this incredible painter who likes to paint directly onto walls and she lives in this chateau in france and whose rooms she just decorates with the most beautiful um, paintings of different flowers it's extraordinary and and it's like stepping into this world where there are just layers upon layers of nature and she has flowers real flowers in front of her painted flowers and and she's this wonderful wonderful um, artist who's so open and generous and I spent um, three four days with her and we talked and we laughed and it, it was an amazing start to the project and from there on it just every person that I talked to was the same and in different ways everyone was incredibly generous and everyone taught me something about flowers everyone taught me um, something different something new and it just deepened my appreciation of flowers and, and in a way that I didn't think would be possible
0: yeah And you traveled far and wide for this project. So the very first profile is the floral designer, uh, Sarah, in New York City. And then the second profile is on Livia in California, who creates these incredibly intricate and fascinating paper flowers. Miranda Brooks is back in on the Northeast Coast. You are in Morocco, you are in London, you're in France several times, you're in Italy, you're back in Connecticut. You you clearly got a wide diversity of global perspective. What are there areas you felt that you would like to add more to? Or were you, yeah, were you happy with the final result in this global representation?
1: I. I am pretty happy with the result. Of course, you know, once you um, do something, you always, when you finish something, you always think, or in my case, I always think, oh, I could have done it better. I could, there are a million other things that, you know, I could have done. So I think what I wanted to do, like I said before, was to have a range of work from different places, like, as I said, in, in, in. The, set out in the introduction, I mean, the the influence and the inspiration that flowers um, have exerted on different cultures and different places and times. So I wanted to have that kind of range. Um, the only place I felt was missing and perhaps maybe... One day I'll do a whole book on that. It's it's in Asia, and in the culture of flower in Asia, and I feel like maybe that is something sort of separate. Um, well, even I'll look forward to thing. that book.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Are you a gardener, Noc?
1: Um, I have a very small garden. In fact, it's not my garden. I live in a building with there are four apartments, and we have a garden in front of the building which I um, work on. And I'm the person who is responsible for the garden. So I sometimes think of it as my garden, but it's actually the whole, it belongs to everyone in the building. And it actually happens to be on a corner. So um, I live in Brooklyn and one of the nicest things, even though it's not a private garden, I said, it is in the front of the building. Um, I get a lot of people who will just stop by when they see me working in the garden and they will come and ask me questions about the garden, about the flowers that I like or, and it's incredible. It's a real um, point of connection for people in the neighborhood.
0: Which is always a wonderful thing about a a front yard garden. What, (laughs) What
1: flowers and plants do you have in that garden? Well, it's very, very small. Um, but it's surprising how many flowers I can pack in it. Um, in the spring, I have all the bulbs, I have tulips, I have muscari, I have, um, daffodils, I have irises, I have alliums, um, peonies, a couple of roses, even though I don't have a lot of sun. I have mock orange, Mm. um, I try to pack camellias and in the summer I have astilbes, I have hydrangea, I have um, a few other irises and then now in the fall I have anemones and chrysanthemums.
0: Well, your garden is both colorful and it smells delicious. I can tell from yes. here, yeah,
1: yes, um, <laughs> scent a uh, scent is one thing that I highly value in flowers. I have a Daphne. Mm. it's also very, very um, fragrant, yes, mock orange. It's amazing. yeah, I love the scent of Philadelphia.
0: before we end our interview with the my final request. is there anything you would like to share with listeners about? your newest book in bloom or about this whole process and the importance of it in your life?
1: Wow. Well, I, I hope that people um, that people get what I'm trying to put forward. Um, in doing this book, I, like you said, there were no captions. And I, I looked at each um, subject as a story that I wanted to tell. And the way that I set up the book is to take you um to a place and give you an introduction with a text and then hopefully with your imagination I don't the reason why I didn't want to put in captions is that I just I just want to set up the scene and take you to this place and let you wander through it and get what you get out of it um maybe a lot more than I put in hopefully so I I wanted to have people to have that interaction with the stories Mm -hmm. Um, and I think everyone brings something to the Mm -hmm. story from their own experience from their own appreciation of flowers and hopefully come out of it with um, even a deeper appreciation
0: yes yes I definitely got what you were doing, and it worked for me. The the the, Each of the profiles was very much uh, an entry, a gateway in the photographs that follow were, were very immersive. And I'm sure I will get something more out of them every time I look at them. Well, I'd like to end, Nock, with you reading a section from the end of your introduction that I believe you have ready.
1: For thousands of years, we have found inspiration in the enduring appeal of flowers, refashioning them in every possible guise. Yet, as the works of these artists in this book can attest, we remain as spellbound by their charm as palsy was with glycerous blooms. Our technology-fueled world has only increased our craving to connect with nature, and the beauty of the botanical realm continues to be the perfect foil for the magic of the human imagination. Shaped by our desire, flowers carry our human history in their very being, the footprints of our quest for knowledge and adventure, a repository of our notions and meanings. Flowers will always exert their grip on us, as long as our human yearning for beauty remains, think of Mondrian's elegiac chrysanthemums, Fontaine Latour's voluptuous roses, Van Gogh's joyous sunflowers, Dürer's earthy columbines, the sensuous peonies in Chinese silk paintings, the elegant tulips on Isnick pottery, or the rich flowery meadows that spring up on medieval tapestries and William Morris's wallpapers. Gaze into a flower and inscribed in its bewildering patterns are uh, intimations of nature's duality, its creative force, and its rapid dissolution. Like a Robert Frost poem that begins in delight and ends in wisdom, flowers seduce us with their piercing beauty, but they also have much to teach us about the impermanent nature of life. On the last day of his life, the painter Pierre Auguste Renoir already weakened by months of ill health, asked for his paint box and brushes and began to paint a bouquet of anemones that Ninette, the maid servant, had picked for him in the garden. For several hours, he lost himself in the flowers and forgot his pain. As he finished and handed over his brushes, Renoir spoke his last words. Je crois que je commence à y comprendre quelque chose. I think that I'm beginning to understand something about it. Nokmin Noh,
0: thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great pleasure.
0: Nokmin Noh is a photographer, writer, and nature lover. She is the author of two books, Bringing Nature Home, Floral Arrangements Inspired by Nature, and most recently, In Bloom, Creating and Living with Flowers, both published by Rosoli Press. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and JewelGarden.com. The program is produced by Sarah Bohannon. For this week's audio archive or to subscribe to the podcast, please visit mynspr.org. For more information, including many photos, please visit jewelgarden.com. For daily photos and more, follow Cultivating Place on Instagram and Facebook. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.
1: Today's interview on Cultivating Place with Nockman No was recorded via Skype.